So let's start with the rapid fire round. Sure. At what age do you want to retire? 65. What's your favorite mobile app? Favorite mobile app would be DoorDash. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? 25 minutes. Most embarrassing moment of your life? I wet my pants in the fourth grade. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. What's the most useful mobile feature you can't live without? Uh, maps. Favorite color? Black. What time of day are you most inspired? Evening. Fill in the blank and upcoming marketing trend is blank. Upcoming marketing trend is Web3. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. City in which the best kiss of my life happened would probably have to be San Francisco. Okay. Pick one, Android or Apple? Android. The biggest mistake of your career? Is biggest mistake of my career? Trusting my boss. Okay. How do you relax? Uh, I Peloton. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? I don't drink coffee. A habit of yours that you hate? Habit of mine that I hate? I uh, twitch. The most valuable skill you've learned in life? Empathy. Cities or countrysides? Cities. And the last one is your favorite Netflix show? Favorite Netflix show right now would have to be... Oh, and it breaks a lot. Let's see. Or you can go Amazon Prime or any other shows. Any other streaming show? Yeah. Last of Us. <laughs> there you go. Everyone says that. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the end of the rapid fire round. Okay. Now we'll go on to the bigger questions. You had a question? No. Okay. Good. You're the only person who answered Android to love it. I'm sure. <laughs> that's why I did it. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, how do you balance the need for innovation with the need to stay within budget and meet revenue targets? That's a great question. Um, actually, digital tool sets are both allowing for my team to innovate while driving efficiencies and actually helping us lower our overall costs um, so that we can actually do more. Um, so the cost of innovation or the price of innovation should not come at the expense of of, um, of, of spend. Um, I think the actual innovation should drive more efficiencies uh, and enable you to do more with what you have. And where are the areas where you feel in your company that innovation is not doing well as compared to spend? Uh, well, that's great. Um, well, we're catching up in uh, reimagining our MarTech stack. And, um, and that's something that we've just invested in. We just announced with Adobe that we are going to be implementing uh, the full Adobe suite of the Experience Cloud, along with the Creative Cloud. Um, so we've been playing catch up on the MarTech stack and our digital customer journey has been far behind benchmark uh, for quite a number of years, but we are working really hard to change that. Can you share a time when you had to make a difficult decision that impacted the marketing strategy of a product or service? And how did you approach the situation and what was the outcome? 
probably that would be deciding to delay launch of a product um, after everything was pretty much 100% planned due to an unforeseen circumstance. And we had to basically then deconstruct all of the impacts that that delay would cause, um, both in time to market, competitive environment, ability to support that product with marketing and uh, meeting our targets from both a outbound KPI perspective on driving preference and purchase intent, but also ultimately sales. And how do you approach collaboration, for instance, with other departments or stakeholders within a company to ensure successful product launches or campaigns? Uh, early on, uh, getting together early on in the process, proactively, listening actively, um, and then using a lot of uh, whiteboard time. Um, and um, I'm a very visual person, so we draw a lot of pictures. And so as far as collaboration goes in a, such a huge company that you work for, uh, how do you feel you overcome the bureaucracy if any arises? Well, interesting, Qualcomm, we are, um, are, part of our DNA from a cultural perspective is all about collaboration. One of the reasons why we have recently um, decided to bring everyone back to the office four days a week is because our culture is rooted in collaboration and in order to innovate, we really feel like you have to collaborate. And collaboration works at its best when everybody's in the room. Um, so that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on um, and, uh, and we will continue to support that, um, that cultural norm uh, so that we, we don't risk um, you know, sort of failure from a cultural perspective, which then will impact our ability to create new products and innovate in the long haul. What is the most essential step for building a go-to-market strategy, you think? The most essential step uh, in building a go-to-market strategy uh, is the, well, it's the, it's sort of the first P of the four Ps, right? Um, and it's products. Um, you have to understand what you're selling um, and the value proposition of that. Um, and so that's, it's, it's really the product. Can you describe a time when you had to adapt to a new market or industry and how did you approach that challenge? Yes, well, we've been diversifying now for the last six to eight years and moving outside of the mobile industry, specifically the smartphone industry, into all these new product categories. So it's literally been like a Lollapalooza of diversification and growth. Um, uh, one market, very important market, and it's a high growth market for us, is automotive. Um, we have grown exponentially in automotive, but the automotive industry requires a different level of engagement. Uh, it requires a different type of approach to product development. There's different sets of rules when you're talking about technology within uh, an automobile environment versus in a smartphone or a PC or other types of products. There's safety concerns, um, increased safety, increased privacy. There's different auto grade types of features that you have to build into your platforms and your products. And so it's a whole new ball game but we've successfully moved into automotive to the tune of a $30 billion pipeline that we have now currently. Um, so we were able to make the transition over time uh, fairly smartly, um, but it was a, definitely a journey and a lot of learning. And so besides automotive, which other industries do, do you have your fingers in? <laughs> um, so we are expanding into the PC market and we're going to be actually, this is a, a market where we will be a new entrant for the most part. In a, in a category that has been primarily controlled by a couple players over the last 25 to 30 years. So this is going to be a, 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 an uphill climb um, and we have to be prepared 
to have a go-to-market strategy that, re that achieves the requirements of entering that market to drive success. Um, so that's new. Uh, the XR market is another market where we have actually an, a, a lead, um, but it's still a nascent market. So as it grows and evolves and becomes more mainstream and commercial, we have to keep pace with that and understand what direction it's moving in so that we can actually keep our leadership position. So that's a different type of a story, but a different product category altogether. And then from a, uh, an IoT perspective, just smart factories, smart cities, moving into different robotics uh, platforms, all of that is something that we have been playing in, that we're continuing to playing in, and we see huge opportunity in, in the future. So for a brand to be visible to the right audience, uh, what should come first, brand development or brand messaging? Um, well, as marketers, we are inherently storytellers. Um, and so I think the most important thing that you need to understand and nail down is your story. Um, as far as brand development goes, I think if I understand that correctly, the definition is really about the visual arc uh, articulation of the brand um, and the assets that you develop around the brand. I think that has to come secondary to the messaging. So I would say uh, owning that story and understanding your story is paramount to then building out a brand ethos um, that can drive successful brand development and brand execution. So since you mentioned you have, you're getting into a lot of industries, uh, the growth of partnerships has also accelerated in recent years. So in such a competitive scenario, what should one do to build a good strategic partnership, which is mutually beneficial? Uh, another great question. So we've, um, we address partnerships from two different vectors. First is we have a lot of partners that buy our products, then put them into their products. Um, and I have the unique pleasure of working with some of the world's most iconic brands from Louis Vuitton to Cadillac to Samsung um, to Lenovo to Oculus or now Meta Quest um, etc and so through that those partnerships um, we do a lot of co-marketing a lot of partner marketing where telling our story helps our partner tell their story especially when it comes to brands like Louis Vuitton for example that's a luxury brand brand but moving into technology by launching products like smartwatches and smart speakers, we bring them credibility to that space. They have all the credibility in the world as a luxury brand, but they don't have credibility as a technology brand. So deploying Snapdragon into their products brings them that credibility. So that's one area of partnership that's very important to us. And we do a lot to, to nurture those relationships so that we can help our, our customers tell their brand story. And we also get to tell our brand story. The second type of partnership is really partnerships that we've um, engaged in more recently, which is to help align the Snapdragon brand with iconic partners like Manchester United or Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One, two of our big global partnerships that are fairly recent. It was really about how we could form a two-way partnership where we could bring something to them as well as they could bring something to us. So it's a little bit different than approaching a sponsorship in that I don't have an interest in just throwing my logo on something. I really want to have a two-way partnership where our technology can help improve their franchise and their franchise can help me reach my goals as far as awareness, preference, or purchase intent for my brand. And so we've approached all of our partnerships like that and this win-win um, sort of two-way uh, sort of approach and it's worked really, really well. And we're really excited about the work that we're doing with both Manchester United, Mercedes AMG Patronus, 
um, is, and, and others um, sort of that are coming down the line. And is there any work in a non-partnership sphere that is also equally exciting? In a non-partnership sphere? Um, uh, let's see. Um, well, we're doing a lot of on our own. Um, and uh, one of the things that we embarked upon about two years ago was building community as part of the marketing mix for Snapdragon. Uh, we didn't know how it was going to go. We knew there were conversations going on in social media around Snapdragon on Reddit and, and on Twitter um, and in different forums. But we didn't know if we could harness those conversations into more of a community. They were sort of out there in the wild. So we launched Snapdragon Insiders, which is our global community, about a little less than two years ago. And in a little less than two years, uh, we have 8.4 million Snapdragon Insiders globally. Um, it's a very engaged community. Uh, and um, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised as well as just elated that, uh, that we've been able to harness the power of all of these people on social platforms around the world to tell the Snapdragon story, to be advocates for Snapdragon and our partners and their products, um, to engage with us, to give us feedback on how we're doing and to help really grow that brand strength um, by being you know, these little advocates that are sort of all over the world uh, telling our story. So it's been a phenomenal effort um, and building community into the marketing mix is something that I had not experienced before in my career until now. And so it's, a, it's an exciting sort of new adventure. And what different channels is the community on or is it hosted singularly? Uh, it's actually, um, you know, we approach community where we have to be where people already are. So the community is live and vibrant on Twitter, Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Weibo, Daoyang, Bilibili, and WeChat. Okay. So in today's fast-paced world, uh, businesses need to reach their customers where they are. Uh, do you think that multi-channel marketing will be beneficial in helping businesses do this? Uh, I mean, I think omni-channel approaches to marketing has, has been around for quite some time. I, 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 can't, I wouldn't believe that most brands that um, have a full marketing mix and that are present you know, with their audiences have not adopted an omni-channel approach. Um, I think a singularity approach towards marketing it just doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, the world is fragmented. There's so many messages and people are constantly bombarded. Um, primarily because they live their life through their phone, um, right? And there's so many different ways they engage with the world around them, especially the digital world around them, that you have to deploy an omni-channel approach in order to get the reach, right? Um, and the frequency that you need to hit your KPIs. All right. So the last question is of a personal kind. Uh, what would you be doing in your life if not this right now? What would I be doing in my life if not this right now? Um, I think I would be an artist. Of what kind? <laughs> um, I, you know, that's a great, uh, probably um, something in the visual arts. Yeah. I don't know, photography or, or uh, graphic design, but definitely the visual arts.